social media and other platforms, you can be anonymous, but you're not anonymous in the bank account. And I think that is a fantastic opportunity for the payments industry to say, don't do it because we will take action. Hello, and welcome to MPP Soundbites. I'm Lisa Linturn. In this episode, we take a look at the severity of technology-facilitated abuse and how the MPP ecosystem is responding to abuse by payments in particular. Joining me is Catherine Fitzpatrick, the Director of Customer Vulnerability and Financial Resilience at Westpac, and Karen Bentley, the CEO of Westnet, the peak body for domestic and family violence services. So WESNET is the national peak body for specialist domestic and family violence services across Australia. We've probably got about 300 specialist domestic and family violence services in Australia and and we do a lot of work with them to try and help them deliver the best services they can to survivors of domestic and family violence. And we also work a lot in the area of where technology intersects with all forms of violence against women. Um, And so that's meant that we do a lot of work with technology companies and other really big corporates around um, maybe how some of their platforms and services might be being misused or or how they could be improved so that, you know, survivors of domestic and family violence are, are safer online and using their products and services. So let's talk about the issue of technology facilitated abuse. For listeners who may not be familiar can you just talk to us about what it is and how big of an issue it is we recently did a survey last year where we surveyed 442 frontline workers and 99.3 percent of them came back and said they've got clients who are experiencing domestic violence through technology so what we see today is that you know there are lots of people experiencing domestic and family violence And abusers use a whole range of different types of behaviours and tactics to perpetrate that abuse. And unfortunately, what we're seeing now is that quite often abusers will misuse technology, which is often designed for really good purposes, but they misuse technology to sort of to abuse. So the most common forms of abuse that we see in Australia are generally things like really abusive messages. So that could be text messages or anything that you use for messages, but also to make threats. Um, And then we also get into sort of more complicated areas where, you know, technology is being used to track and surveil. So I think the, the thing that we're seeing and we're trying to sort of talk about is the fact that it's not actually the technology that's the problem. It's actually the abuser's behaviour that's the problem. And what we're seeing is that, you know, technologies which are designed for really, you know, convenient purposes for the general population sometimes get misused by perpetrators. So it's really important for anybody who's delivering a product or service or a technology platform to be thinking about the fact that some of their users might be misusing it and some of their customers might be experiencing um, domestic violence and so experiencing abuse through technology. And what kind of impact can it have on the, on the person who is on the receiving end? Yeah, it can have really um, devastating impacts. So, I mean, I've been working in this field now for 10 years and every week I find a new and perverted way that some abuser has, you know, dreamt up to, you know, to hurl abuse or to monitor or track. So, you know, every every possible platform and service and technology is being misused. I don't, you know, it's it's just horrifying really about you know the the creativity and 
you know, women are reporting that they're feeling, you know, tethered to the technology. So they, they just don't feel like there's any escape. So before we had things like smartphones, you know, you could put some distance between you and your abuser. You might relocate. You might be able to, you know, not answer the phone, pull the phone out from the wall. Um, but today we've got so many different ways of being connected that it's really, really hard to avoid it. Um, and and I don't think that survivors should have to do all the work. I, you know, we have to do a lot of work to sort of to protect yourself online. So we, you know, we know that it has a devastating impact and it, and it does seem to have longer-term mental health and other impacts for people, you know, to be constantly surveilled or constantly monitored or to feel like there's no escape because you can't get any distance between you and the abuser. So, Catherine, some might think that financial services technology is a less obvious place to find this kind of abuse. Tell me about what you've seen at Westpac. Yeah, well, I guess I'd echo what Karen said, that um, there's been this massive shift to online and digital and banking's no exception because it's convenient and it's real time for millions of customers. So we've been really fascinated to see and horrified to see that um, customers have been using digital payments as a form of messaging service in which they can abuse. Um, Many times people attach messages to payments that can be heartfelt or innocuous, so they're things like happy birthday or thanks for dinner. Um, But we've also seen that people are sending inappropriate banter, so um, offensive words, but they might be clearly distinguishable as jokes, even though probably not appropriate for a bank account. Uh, and we can, we've also seen um, serious threats of harm or abuse and harassment. So these could be in multiple messages um, sent in rapid succession over a prolonged period or a really short amount of time. Sometimes there's hundreds of small deposits into an account, so as little as one cent or one dollar, um, which are clearly menacing and abusive, uh, clearly in, intentionally um, damaging. And sometimes you'll see people have written that they're blocked on other platforms. So this is clearly one of the only means that uh, people can communicate with each other. So what has Westpac done to respond to this issue? What kind of mechanisms do you have in place to protect your customers? So first of all, we've blocked the ability for um, our customers to use offensive words in their payments descriptions. So uh, what we do is we've got a quite a comprehensive data dictionary which has uh, offensive words added to it pretty much in real time and so if we become aware of new words or phrases either via payment channels or via social media we'll add them to the data dictionary and what that means is that is that if you want to send a payment through online or in-app banking you won't be able to send it. You're blocked from sending it with those words in it. So since we implemented those blocks in January this year, we've required customers to change in real time uh, about 22,000 payments with inappropriate language. What we've also done is enabled a new process which allows customers to report inappropriate or offensive language when they're receiving a payment into their account, either Uh, within Westpac or from other banks. So sometimes we won't know that a message that has been sent could cause offence or that it is 
in breach of an apprehended violence order, for example. So there's a functionality that we have that allows customers to report those offensive messages. Those reports are going go to a dedicated team for review and for action. And then we may either notify the banking provider of the customer who's sending the message, or we might exit the customer or send them a warning letter or suspend them from using internet banking. Um, to date, we haven't had a lot of customers using that in-app functionality to report abuse sent to them. And we're not sure if that's because they don't know that the functionality is there or if they um, just haven't realised that the bank will take action if they do that. So we really encourage people to let us know so that we can, because this is to make it safer for them and it's to make it safer for all of our customers. Um, the final step that we also take is that we have we use advanced data analytics on both our inbound and outbound payments to help detect any more nuanced threats and, and patterns of abuse in transactions. So we have a report that is reviewed, categorised and monitored um, as potentially abusive, and then we will take action against customers. So we've issued warning letters to more than 700 customers, we've exited a handful of customers, and we've also raised matters to law enforcement where we have concerns about criminal activity. So MPP Australia has enabled automated alerts that can notify participants so they can act on payments with abusive descriptions like you've just described. How does your organisation integrate these into your own processes? Uh, this is a, a new capability that's going to be introduced in January next year, as I understand it. So it, what it will do is allow banks to communicate with each other through elect, electronic messaging on the new payments platform. So if we detect an abusive message that comes from another financial institution, we'll be able to alert that bank using the NPP. So that'll make, make it easier for us to, as collectively across the industry, to take action. That is such a leading example of how it's got to work. The banks are just so far out in front in terms of just going, we're just going to deal with this. What happens is that people immediately jump to the conclusion that the technology is bad. The abuser becomes invisible and we need to keep the spotlight on the abuser. Social media and other platforms, you can be anonymous, but you're not anonymous in the bank account. And I think that is a fantastic opportunity for the payments industry and people with banks to say, don't do it because we will take action. So, Karen, back to you. What would you like to say to people who work in the payments industry listening to this podcast who might be quite confronted by what they've heard today? What steps should they be taking? Well, first off, you know, because domestic and family violence is so widespread, it's quite possible that some of your listeners today have got personal, you know, experience of this um, or might be, you know, know of somebody close to them. So if that's happening and you're feeling a bit confronted by that, you know, please do reach out for some support. There's lots of different services that are available and, you know, you, you do need to, you can, there are people that you can talk to and there's places you can get support. So on a personal level, if, you, if you're, you know, if you're triggered or experiencing, do reach out for some help um, and take care. It's so heartening for us in the domestic and family violence sector to see big companies, banking and corporations stepping up 
recognising that this is an issue and actually taking steps to try and help. I cannot tell you how much work a domestic and family violence survivor has to do in order to make herself safe. We call it safety work. It's the work that a, you know, a survivor of domestic and family violence has to do to try and keep themselves safe. And it's immense because we use so much technology. So if you think about all the different accounts and services and platforms and apps that you use, you might have to think about securing and sort of looking after all of those because they might be a channel. So it's really encouraging to see organisations corporations really thinking about the fact that you know abusers might be using or misusing their platform and that survivors are going to be customers as well and so you know an understanding how domestic and family violence works which is that it's it's a pattern of power and control of one person over another and that they will use all sorts of different tools to be able to maintain that control and we know that you know um, of the of the 99.3% of frontline workers who said that, you know, their clients were experiencing tech abuse, 61% of them said that those clients were also experiencing financial abuse. So just to understand how prevalent it is that, you know, if you are a, a survivor of domestic and family violence, you're probably experiencing it through technology, you may have all of your finances controlled as well. So just to really think about the fact um, it's really prevalent and just to be aware and wise to the fact that this could be happening to your customers and to understand, you know, how to support them. And then where possible, also referring people appropriately on because you might be um, or your platform might be the first place that that person actually feels safe to disclose that this is happening uh, and trying to get them into some help is, is can be really important. But, you know, kudos to um, the banking sector. Um, it is amazing to see the collaboration that's going on, making amazing strides to just try and change with tweaks and doing safety by design to make sure that the platform and the service is delivered safely. Well, on that note, I want to thank you both for joining me today to discuss this really important issue. So thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks Karen. If you've been impacted personally by some of the issues discussed today, you can contact the National Sexual Assault Domestic Family Violence Counselling Service on 1800RESPECT. That's 1800 737 732.